Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Christine Yu is the author of Up to Speed, The Groundbreaking Science of Women Athletes. Christine is an award-winning journalist whose work focuses on the intersection of sports science and women athletes. Her writing has appeared in The Washington Post, Time, Outside, and other publications. She lives in Brooklyn, New York. And by the way, she and I shared a mutual, really close friend who passed away 
Stacey Sanders, who I write about in bookends. And after we did this podcast interview, she emailed me a whole bunch of pictures of when they went to boarding school together, which just completely warmed my heart. Welcome, Christine. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Up to Speed, the groundbreaking science of women athletes. Thank you so much for having me, Zibi. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, thank you for coming on. And I know we have a special connection too, to Sona. Yeah. <laughs> so up to speed, you start this book, you've just heard your knee pop, right? You have had a torn ACL in the past. Now you have a new injury. Talk about how that is just such a perfect you know, introduction to all of the science and everything that you've uncovered about women athletes. Yeah, it's funny because I was very resistant to actually including my own story in writing this book, but my editor very much inc encouraged me to do so. But yeah, I was running, hurt my ACL for the second time and just was so mad. I was like so angry at myself and at my body. And I always had this feeling like, I don't have, like I have an injury prone body. Like I don't have a body that's made for sports and just feeling like out of place in a way and always blaming myself for it. And, you know, I recognized in myself and then I'm a sports and health journalist and in talking to other athletes, you know, there's always this sense that like women kind of feel like they're an anomaly in sports, even though we've done so much and we've come so far in sports, there's still a sense that like, not quite fit or like there's something wrong or there's like, you know, women are so much more prone to injury and all of these things. And so it kind of led me down this rabbit hole to really try to figure out why, like, why is this? What's going on here? And really uncovering and realizing that we actually don't know a lot about female physiology, specifically within the sports science world. Um, only 6% of sports science studies focus exclusively on women. And this was only, you know, it was as recent as 2020. And it was just mind boggling to me that this is the world in which we live in, right? It is crazy. I mean, you know, I mean, I've heard in the past, I had heard in the past that most studies involved men for many things, not just sports, but really yeah. like a lot of medical research. And I liked when you were saying, well, was it an oversight? Was it intentional? Like, do they not care about women? But no, your, your assessment in the book, at least at first was it, it's that they assume it's the same. It's just, they happen to have you know, women just happen to have reproductive organs, <laughs> but it's it's not the same at all, obviously. Yeah. And I think it's just reflective of this, you know, idea or that, you know, men are kind of just the standard in everything, right? Throughout in every aspect of life. And so sure, we can just apply the same findings that we see in men to women, you know, just, you know, it's just the reproductive organs that are a little bit different, but not really recognizing, right? The like tremendous uniqueness and like differences that can exist, you know, as well as some of the similarities that do exist, but we just don't appreciate kind of the overlap as well as the difference. And you also wrote about how doctors often miss things that they should catch about women athletes, which of course derailed their careers. Like you had an example of one woman who was really anemic and somehow they had missed that. And so she had all sorts of fatigue and other symptoms. And yet she kept going to doctors and was had to miss a whole year of her career until they found yeah. the right diagnosis because women sometimes are just not listened to as much. Yeah, which is, and you know, I feel like, you know, again, isn't just specific to athletes, but I think it can be, you know, more heightened in athletes, especially because like their bodies are literally their jobs. You know, if we're talking about elite athletes and pro athletes, like their bodies are their jobs, like they depend on it. And yet if you don't have the right 
or like contextualized research, right? So like in that case, her blood panels all look normal because they look normal for like a normal person, but for an athlete, they don't look normal. Like there are subtleties there that can be hidden that, you know, aren't always appreciated. So what are some of the takeaways for like the average athlete, the like recreational athlete, if you will, not the elite athlete from your research? Yeah. So it was really important for me that this book applied to, you know, folks like you and me who, right, who are kind of, who are active and like, you know, are physically active, who aren't necessarily out there competing at the Olympics or stuff like that. For me, it really was just, you know, again, reconciling this, this idea that like, I always felt like there was something wrong with my body or like, I always felt like I wasn't listened to. And so I think part of it is, you know, becoming, you know, what I say, like body literate in a sense, like really just paying attention to what is going on with your body. Because so often we're kind of encouraged or told to just ignore it, especially within sports, like just push through it. Like it's no big deal. And especially if it's anything to do with like a women's specific issue, right? Like you don't talk about it in sports at all. So I think like part of it is just empowering ourselves to just pay attention to our bodies, what is going on and asking questions and advocating for ourselves, you know, if there is something that comes up, right? And I think, you know, another big lesson really is around the one area, like whenever I talk to people, like, you know, and ask them, like, what would you want people to know? It really is about like taking care of our bodies and particularly around nutrition and just fueling it. Because I think, you know, I know that you've talked about this too. There's there's so much pressure around women to look a certain way or to be a certain way or, you know, feeling bad about the way that our bodies look. And we can, because of that, like it can actually end up doing harm to ourselves, right? Like we end up restricting, we end up dieting, like we end up on this roller coaster. We're not actually doing our bodies any good. So I think like that was another big kind of aha moment for me, right? It's like having grown up in the, you know, 80s and 90s where it was so entrenched in what we grew up with about dieting and low-cal this, no fat this and all of this. And just really recognizing like, oh wait, I actually need to treat my body well if I actually want it to be healthy and to do the things that I want it to do. Yeah. And it's obviously body image issues are exacerbated and often, you know, most a precondition for elite athletes when they're losing, you know, you wrote about losing their periods and having these things just be like standard, like, oh, okay, sure. This is going to happen because I'm an athlete. Like, should that happen? Is that good? Like, shouldn't we be working on things like that? Like, it's not such a small thing to lose our reproductive abilities because we're, I don't know, bicycling champions or something. Yeah. And I mean, I think that was, you know, those myths are still so pervasive, you know, in, you know, middle school, high school levels, even now, right. And and above the coaches that think, or, and athletes themselves that think that this is normal, that I don't want to have my period because then it's a sign that I'm really fit. I'm really in shape and I'm training really hard. And I think it is like indicative of, the lack of education that we give girls about our bodies, right? Like about menstrual cycles and what it actually means. Because I don't think, I, I personally didn't really realize or recognize until probably my late 30s, early 40s that like, oh wait, my menstrual cycle is more than just like the couple of days that I'm bleeding, right? Like there's actually all this whole like orchestra of hormones that are going on in our bodies that play a really important role in so many different aspects of our health. But I, we, I never learned about that. Like I never learned about this in school. I never learned about it like when we were younger that, 
you know, it's important for bone health. It's important for cardiovascular health. And I feel like if we provide more of this information at a younger age, we can set girls and women up with a solid foundation, right? To kind of move forward in a healthier way. Very true. You also wrote about kids sports, which of course is such a hot button issue and how much is it okay to push kids? How much, you know, all this emphasis on travel soccer and specializing early and the same goes for girls, like what, tennis, all these repetitive motions, you know, talk to me more about that. Yeah, it's really hard. So I, I mean, I have two boys who are 13 and 16 and, you know, definitely when they were growing up, I felt like we're the weird parents who didn't put them in all the crazy club and travel base. They play baseball mostly. We didn't do all that in part because I didn't want to tear up my weekends to travel all over the place. But it really is. There's such a pressure on like early specialization. And I think in part because like we've heard stories about like Tiger Woods and like Michaela Schifrin and like all of these people who started really early and have, you know, gone to such great heights. And we want that for our kids. And I think as parents too, many of us have had experience playing sports and we loved it, right? And we want to give that to our kids. And so there's this whole, you know, one of the experts that I interviewed describes it as like this youth industri- like youth sports industrial complex, right? Which it really is. It's become this really big business. And it feels like if you don't get on the like moving walkway with it, you're doing a disservice to your kid, right? Like everyone else is doing it. So shouldn't I be doing it? But I think what it kind of misses is it doesn't really acknowledge the actual like physiological development and maturational development of kids at this age, because it's a tremendous period of growth and change, like almost as much as like when they are babies. And yet these systems of youth sports, they don't pay attention to that, right? So we're almost like piling on all of this work and volume and asking them to do all this crazy stuff and train year round and train six days a week or seven days a week without recognizing that like their bodies are growing. And frankly, like, really almost like, fra- like I don't want to say fragile, like as if they'll break, but it is like, you know, this vulnerable period of time in which their bodies literally are morphing and changing in shape. And they are more pliable, if you will. They are more susceptible to injury. So yeah, I worry about that a lot and kind of what we set kids up for. I did uh, one season of travel baseball with my son who didn't even really like baseball that much. And we were at some doubleheader that was like an hour and a half outside the city. And I have four kids. I had to leave the other three kids to like sit there and watch him like sit in the dugout and eat the snacks I packed him. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, yes, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, do you like this? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I really like football. So anyway, I was like, forget it. Like, this was fun, but I feel like it has to come. First of all, I feel like it has to come from the kids. I feel like so many parents yeah. are pushing. I mean, this could be a whole other conversation, but so many parents push their kids into a particular sport or to to do it so you know competitively yeah. or whatever. And I feel like it's different if the kid wants to do it, right? If they're begging yeah. to do more, okay, like that's one thing. But you know, the parent pressure on the kids because everyone else apparently is doing it. Yeah. That, where you really go wrong, I think. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we ended up doing like one and a half season of travel baseball for my younger son. And it was the same thing. I'm like, why am I traveling to Maryland to play these teams? I'm like, can't they just play in Prospect Park? 
right? Like, it's right there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, there are a lot of children that play baseball in Brooklyn. Like I'm sure we could, you know, yeah. we don't have to travel four hours or whatever it was. Yeah. Who who even thought of this travel <laughs> travel teams? Like, like for you know, shame on them. Like, <laughs> yeah. Stay in place. Treadmill teams. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> oh my goodness. You talked about in the book how innovations in exercise things, even like sports bra technology, and how one woman talked about how her breasts were different sizes and like how do you deal yeah. with that in a sports bra? And why have sports bras just been like these big smushing machines for so long and all of that? Like <laughs> talk to me about how innovation plays into everything. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's wild to think that the sports bra wasn't invent- invented until 1977, which is, you know, just about 50 years ago, which isn't, again, very long ago. And it was the height of the jogging boom. At that time, there were like these three women in Vermont who were like, there's got to be a better way, right? Like there's got to be a more comfortable comfortable way and ended up sewing two jock straps together and, you know, created the first sports bra, which is bananas. But I think it's, again, it's, you know, kind of an example of how we never paid attention to women's breasts, right? Like you assume that it's, what does it have to do with sports or sports performance? Like they're just, you know, it, I feel like breasts are so like sexualized, right? In that way, or like associated with reproduction that we don't consider them as an important part of, you know, how a woman moves. But anyone who has breasts know that like, it plays a big role, right? It can be really uncomfortable. It can be painful at times if it's not supported, right? And scientists have studied and, you know, breast movement can actually affect like your running gait and how efficiently you run. So it does have all of these, all of these impacts, but scientists really didn't have the technology to study breast motion in depth until like 20 years ago, right? So if you don't study how breasts actually move, which is frankly, a pretty complicated pattern. They described it to me almost as like this like figure eight butterfly situation <laughs> going on. But like, if you don't actually study that, if you just assume like breasts just go up and down, like you can't actually create a garment that can effectively control or support that movement in a comfortable way. So like, that's why we are stuck with terrible sports bras for so long. And so we're starting to see more brands incorporate this research into their product design process, like from the beginning, so that we're starting to get better products and hopefully we'll continue to get better and more affordable products. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I still just like bought these sports bras this weekend, the over-the-head kind, and like struggled, you know, to get out of them all sweaty and disgusting after. I'm like, why? Why? Why is this still happening? <laughs> right? You know, there are some with hooks, but like they're few and far between. They're like not as few, yeah. You know, I was an athleta or whatever. Anyway, not to say it wasn't cute. You know, like the design. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know. Anyway, I still. Th- I, in, a, in other words, I think there's still there are still progress leaps and bounds to be made for the sports. Absolutely. <laughs> well, absolutely. And then the other one that kind of really surprised me was soccer cleats. Like there hasn't been a women's specific soccer cleat until 2020, which again, it's only three, you know, three years ago. And which is really surprising given how popular soccer is amongst girls and women, how, you know, much women's soccer has grown over the last several decades. But the fact that there wasn't a shoe that's designed to accommodate a woman's foot. So a woman's foot anatomically is different from a man's. Um, so there can be, you know, differences in how it feels, how, you know, a woman might plant and load her foot. And so if like the, even the cleats are placed in a different or in the wrong spot, like it can create pain. So it's, again, it's wild to me that like all of this has kind of been an oversight and women have just been like, I guess, you know, making do with whatever it is that's available, right? Crazy. Well, what about the benefits? People talk all the time about all the benefits of team sports and collaboration and cardiovascular health and all of that. What are some of the unique benefits to women? Yeah. I mean, there definitely are so many benefits to sports and, and or just not even playing sports, but just being physically active, right? You know, like you mentioned, like cardiovascular health and muscular health, especially as we get older, it being even more important. So exercise can help mitigate some of the symptoms around perimenopause and the menopause transition. So it can make those symptoms, you know, a little bit less debilitating in some cases, and especially help address some of the age-related muscle loss too that happens at that time. But, you know, other than that, just playing sports in and of itself, you know, they found, there's been research that's found that I want to say it's like over 90% of women in C-suites um, positions in, in you know, corporate America all played sports when they were younger. So it, I think that sports really, you know, it's it's this interesting realm in which women can almost experiment a bit, right? And like test their limits, not only physically, but I think also in terms of like their personal limits, right? And you, there are so many lessons you learn on the field that you can then take into life. And so I think it's a, it's an opportunity to kind of like, you know, dismiss a lot of like the myths about what women are capable of and what you yourself think you're capable of in a way that is, I think, really powerful that, you know, that girls and women can take with them as they get older. So what sports are you playing these days and how is your knee and everything? (laughs) Ironically, I tore my ACL again in February skiing, but the other side this time. So currently I am doing a whole lot of physical therapy and kind of figuring out whether or not I'm going to need surgery. But pre-injury, you know, I do mostly run because that's kind of 
where and how I feel most grounded in my body and trying to be good about things like weightlifting, especially as I get older and I'm noticing, right? Like a lot of these changes that are happening in my late forties. Yeah. They are not fun. No, (laughs) (laughs) they're really hard. My daughter was literally like, so tell me why your body has started looking like this. Because like, I want to know what I need to do to not have it happen, basically, is what she was alluding to. And I was like, well, you know, part of it is that, you know, your body, you know, the things you used to be able to do, you can't do anymore. You know, you can't get away with stuff and all that. Yeah. But like at the same time, right, it's like we don't talk a lot about this stage of life. and you know, these changes are normal and natural that happen like with folks who have female bodies, right? Like it's, it's part of life. It's the bookend to puberty, if you will. But it's really hard to navigate when we don't talk about it. We don't know what's going on. No one tells us what's going on or what to expect. And it just feels so different in your body. And that's really disorienting, I think. I mean, not so long ago, I would have been a grandmother by now. Do you know what I mean? Like I would have yeah, been yeah. in a walking chair, you know, and nobody would have glanced at me twice. And now instead I'm like, you know, bopping up and down a dance body with like 20 year olds being like, what? Like, I'm I'm going to like dislocate a disc <laughs> again here. You know, what I mean? like I can't do these burpees. Like, yeah, I, yeah. It's like my grandmother, you know, she did curves or whatever, but she was not like you know, doing burpees at almost 50. Sure. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. My mom keeps looking at me funny. Yeah. My mom is in like amazing shape. It's insane. She's like in better shape than I am, but yeah, I don't know. I'm like, (laughs) did my grandmother have all this pressure? (laughs) But I just got my rocking chair with gray hair and just like, you know, opt out of this whole don't complex, but I don't know. doesn't seem to, I don't think I'm going to be changing that (laughs) single-handedly. So (laughs) to get with the program, back to Athleta and all that. What advice do you have for aspiring authors? I mean, the process of writing this book itself must have been a huge undertaking of so much research and data and just so much that you coherently put together and made engaging and and informative. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of work. It was a lot of reading very esoteric scientific journals and talking to experts. But I think, you know, my advice for writers really is what helped me was really breaking it down into smaller chunks. So I mean, this is my first book, right? Like prior to this, I've written like magazine articles, which are, I don't know, three, 4,000 words at most. So (laughs) thinking about putting together a 90,000 word manuscript was really intimidating. And it took me a really long time to just get started because I couldn't get past that idea of, oh my gosh, I have to write so many words. And even if I write like a little bit, I still have to write so many words. So it was really helpful for me to break it up into chunks. So, you know, definitely by chapter, but even within that, right, breaking it up into different sections and almost thinking of those different sections as like mini articles, if you will. And so it kind of tricked my brain to get started. I'm really just yeah, kind of getting started, having a good support squad behind you too really helps. So having writer friends that I was texting, you know, in the midst of this, who would kind of cheer me on or like listen to me vent was like beyond invaluable. So nice. Yeah. I have to do that too. When I write, it's like how many scenes, like I'm just going to write a scene. A scene sounds easy, you know, an essay sounds a little bit. Yeah. Sounds like, forget about it. So (laughs) (laughs) 
Absolutely. I know all the tricks to trick your brain. Exactly. And just in closing, tell me like a Stacy story or something about your relationship with her and maybe I'll cut this part out. But. Yeah, no. So, I mean, Stacy, I think Stacy and I really got to be closer friends in junior, senior year, you know, at Andover. And I mean, she literally was like the rock in a way, right? Like she was so grounded and she was the one that I knew <laughs> wouldn't be like totally going bananas or like lose her mind about some little thing, right? Like she was always really steady and stable and someone that I knew that I could really count on. We ended up doing our, I guess it was senior year. We took, it was like a, a class on like the Vietnam War, but it was like an art and English class, kind of double period mixed together. So we did our final project together. And it was just like, I mean, she was so like creative and helping and like thinking about how to like, because we ended up doing like a kind of a multimedia installation type thing. So creative and like thinking about how to put that together, but also just like down to business. She's like, we're doing this. We're going to the store. We're getting the paint. We're doing, you know, it's like, we're getting this done today. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm so like, I can't untangle my memories of Andover without like Stacy there, like she was such an integral part of it. And yeah, I mean, amazing and incredible person. And I'm so happy to, you know, get a chance to talk to you too, because I remember freshman year, her talking about like, Zippy this, Zippy. I was like, who's this Zippy person? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I bet she would be working out like crazy now and, uh, (laughs) you know, her rowing in the, you know, in far in the past, I bet she'd be, I don't know, what would she be up to? Spinning or I don't know, something. Something. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, just, yeah, like just her dedication to everything and, you know, dedication to the other athletes on her team too, you know, writing all of her psych notes. Like, I definitely remember that, like people talking about that all the time. And I mean, she was just an incredible and fierce person. I think, she had done a summer program. Yeah, this was, she had done a summer program in Montana. I think the summer between, it must've been sophomore and junior years. And she came home and talking talked about it and it was amazing. And so I ended up doing that same program the following summer. And it was just like, I mean, just the way like her influence has kind of just threaded, I think through my life has been amazing. My younger daughter this morning just finished reading a book, I think it was called Crush, like a graphic novel. And I guess at the end of it, they said something like, it doesn't, it's not whether you win or lose, it's who's on your team that matters. Mm. I kind of, yeah. thought, you know, that's so nice. So I love that. Yeah. Well, Christine, thank you. This was so nice. Thank you for the book. You're a great writer. And oh my gosh, all the information you compiled, it's really, really impressive and thought provoking and needs to be discussed. So thank you for that. And Thank you for, you know, another Stacy connection in the world just out there crackling. No, I love it. Thank <laughs> I know. Thank you so, so much for inviting me. And I'm really happy to make, finally make this connection. Now I know who this Zippy person is. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for bearing with me being late. <laughs> oh my goodness. No worries at all. <laughs> okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.